Audio Books and Us, the podcast about learning, about new ideas and getting inspiration from books. I'm Ranjit Monga. Every week I talk to authors about their ideas. I take up books in the non-fiction category, from which we can get a wealth of knowledge and information. My interviews with the authors are now also featured on the news website www.globalbihari.com. So if you want to read about them, just go to the website and search under my name or the column which is called Literary Speaking. Laws, anti-discriminatory laws, you know, across the board, all of that needs to be attended because that's how you will strengthen queer folks even more. And that's how you will also make children, educators, you know, public policy folks, families, etc., more sensitive and more understanding. This episode features Sharif Rangnekar, author of two books, Straight to Normal, My Life as a Gay Man, and the more recent Queer Sapien, a treatise on love, equality, dignity, and freedom. He speaks for all marginalized sections and all issues which don't find much space in mainstream media nowadays. Sharif Rangnekar is multifaceted and explores all sides of his personality. He's a former mainstream journalist, a communication consultant, and a singer-songwriter who has a band called Friends of Linger. He's also founder-director of the Daily Queer Literature Festival. So let's go in and welcome Sharif. Hello Sharif Rangnekar, welcome to the program. Thank you so much Ranjit, thank you for having me as part of your uh, series. Uh, look forward to the discussion. Yeah, Sharif, it's good to have you here. I went through your book and I would call it a treatise on love, freedom and almost everything. Do you agree? Essentially, I think it is my lens or a queer lens on society, on freedom and the various power structures that exist, uh, the idea of family, the idea of love, uh, and all of the challenges that many people face, but obviously it's a, it's a queer narrative, which is my memoir. So, so I, I sort of look at factors such as economics, neoliberalism, media, mm. capitalism in its certain forms, the treatment of women, uh, the city of Delhi, and therefore it's got so many layers to it. And, you know, uh, that's a little difficult to sort of put it in the box. And as my publisher said, this book actually is very difficult to put in a box. So I don't know how you know, the definition is left to everyone else. You have uh, written your book around your visits to Thailand. And uh, can you explain right. how you have uh, tried to show uh, the society of, uh, you know, uh, the society in Thailand as it exists for the LGBTQ community, uh, how it holds up a mirror uh, to us? Isn't, isn't that what you have done? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's really more about me seeking liberation. So I do say that in 2004, when I made my first uh, visit to Thailand, which was essentially Bangkok and Patia, mm-hmm. uh, I sort of saw a world that I that I'd never experienced, you know. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily just only about the sex market, but it was just the whole idea that that women were safe at any hour. Uh, where people seem to be least bothered about uh, who wears what, what they're doing, 
what hour it is, nothing like that. And, and, and everything seemed sort of, there was a sense of freedom, there was an energy, there was a spirit, and I'd not experienced that. And I, uh, I, and I, and I was just totally overwhelmed and in awe of uh, of the sort of freedom and and, uh, and and Delhi looked more and more like a jail for me, you know, to return to it and and to suddenly go back into a cocoon, go back into mm. you know uh, under constraints, into uh, trying to fit in and you know all of that and and Thailand just taught me that. Uh, uh, you know, every moment as to what I was losing uh, being in our kind of culture uh, out here. And so that's what that experience was, actually. And so I tried to contrast uh, that in the book, um, bring out the, these various elements around uh, freedom. The moments you have described uh, having, uh, you know, spent with your friend uh, Non, is that how you pronounce uh, yeah. the name? Yeah, Non. Yeah. Non. And uh, having, you know, lived in a very liberal environment when he comes to India to visit you and uh, sort of holds up a mirror to you and uh, you understand uh, the reasons why you, you know, both of you cannot be together. That's really a poignant thing. Nan was so important uh, in, in, in so many ways, uh, as you said, holding up a mirror. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously my, my immediate reactions to him putting that mirror in front of me was, there was a bit of what we call today what about me, there was a bit of defense because you don't like someone to come and tell you, particularly a foreigner, that, uh, that your city sucks or it, it, it just doesn't lack or it lacks uh, the kind of space you need to thrive when it comes to love, when it comes to relationships such as ours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it was sort of a wake-up call. It hurt a lot. Yeah, and, and, and it was not just about uh, the queer people. It was also about women, isn't no, it? Yeah. It was about women also, yeah, because he was making so many observations, mm-hmm. uh, both in terms of how he really hardly saw uh, women working and, you know, uh, women invariably sitting in one group and men in another group. Uh, it was about uh, the treatment of people, you know, how the rich bargained endlessly with with uh, hawkers on the street. And, you know, so there were so many things. Then his, uh, I mean, obviously, when he would see uh, how we had to track uh, women who left my place uh, from a dinner or a party, mm. and we had to try and figure out what time they reached and did they reach home. Like he, he just found that absolutely odd and strange, and he just couldn't believe that we lived like that. Mm-hmm. And while he liked the home, while he liked uh, the green and all the plants and everything that they had, and he was charmed by the greenery in, in, in Delhi, but he was, it was quite clear that that's not enough to live a life, and, and that was so true. Uh, so yeah, it was it was it was heartbreaking, and it shook me up and. It took me a long while to make sense of everything mm. that he had said, you know, because we all got used to living in a certain way and then we start denying things uh, that we actually are missing, you know, because we we try to create a world uh, within those constraints. As I say, we learned to make adjustments, you know, in India it's so common, yeah, there are adjust that load, no? mm. and, uh, and everything you're perpetually doing uh, that, you know, um, mm. and so I think that that, that non 
that chapter maybe like several others say was uh, like what you just use the word poignant but uh, i think it, it was like a turning point for me for a person who is still not out uh, say in his teens or a youth and uh, for him uh, can you describe how it is for him how he faces uh, society i want listeners to understand that you know if if they feel that there is a gay person around them or lgbt person around them that what are the things they should be sensitive to so what is it really like when you're growing so up so i think you sort of asked me yeah i think you asked me sort of two questions two sides to the same thing So I think as a as a gay person, it's just horrible that you have to hide your sexuality. I think I've I've been through that, and Ranjit, maybe you've been through that too. Absolutely. Now, uh, when you're yeah, right, right, when you just can't free yourself, right, you can't uh, let yourself go and and be, you know, where you're perpetually hiding, when you're living in fear that someone finds out and they may destroy whatever little reputation you have, they'll destroy whatever little dignity you have, and that's stolen, and that could lead to all kinds of things right it could lead to families throwing you out it could lead to abuse by by you know kids uh, in your you know the same age groups in schools and colleges i mean we know schools and colleges the kind of problems like for example when rv malhotra last year died of suicide and that was at a dps school in faridabad because he was bullied and and the principal and the teacher didn't do anything so that helplessness that that you sort of fear if you start coming out or you start appearing i mean i'm using that word appearing you know in in the sense of what the stereotype description is of a gay person if you appear that that uh, the kind of uh, hate you can face so a lot of us have gone through censorship a lot of us have held ourselves back we've sort of tried to speak like heterosexual men we've we've done what was called straight acting you know anything that sort of conformed to the singular idea of what a man is supposed to look like that causes a ton of problems for for various people right so that is something that fear is very difficult to describe i said in my book also that i don't have a sentence or 10 sentences to try and explain what that fear is now so that's what a possibility but on the other end if someone you know assumes or thinks that you're queer okay i think we should just treat you like anyone else any conversation even if that person comes out to you any conversation has to be very typical normal conversations that you would have with anyone you want to get to know and when you get to know that person how do you treat a friend you you discuss so many things under the sun right so you shouldn't like focus entirely on someone's sexuality because when yeah. we interact with heterosexuals we don't keep talking about i know another heterosexual um, or Oh, you know we don't like talk only about sex and sexuality right we talk about 20 the reason we find friends and make friends is because of values because of interest and common interest so that's how you have to sort of deal with the person but if you know or you suspect or you feel that that person is is gay let that person come to you and talk about the sexuality when they wish to you never ask that question it's too private it's too personal this is the choice of a person who's queer to come out when they want to and when they feel comfortable so you have to if you considerate if you're empathetic if you believe in dignity and mutual respect 
then I think respect that person's privacy, but also don't treat that person any differently that you would treat another individual. Um, and don't treat that person like they're an alien. Treat them like you want to know them because you might give them that much comfort that they have that sort of uh, strength, confidence to suddenly come and tell you that, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm gay, you know, or I'm lesbian, and, uh, or I'm trans, or I'm, you know, queer, non-congruent, um, non-binary, or whatever the person is, you know, I'm the son of I'm under the rainbow. Uh, and you would have done a great favor. I mean, you would have done one of the most beautiful acts uh, that a human being can. And, and then you have to hold that secret very carefully, very tenderly, and, uh, and be a great listener to a person who does take that step to come out because they, they, they need the shoulder sometimes, you know, to lean on. Mm-hmm. Then when you share that secret, they'll start sharing the same sort of conversations that you would yeah. generally be having with other heterosexual people of I like this and I like this kind of person. Oh, that person is beautiful. I like this color. They start talking about so many personal things which you otherwise take for granted when you're talking about your own set of folks in terms of a sexuality. So I think that's what they need to do. For me, what's uh, more important is that uh, the young people in their 20s and 30s, when they are not out, you know, uh, there is a whole system, there, there is a whole peer group which starts demanding answers that why aren't you attached? Why don't you have a girlfriend? Why aren't you married? And, 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 and you know, in the workplace, that becomes quite a torture. And then I have seen yeah, so I... many gay people, LGBT people, they just leave the jobs in their 30s because they just cannot uh, st- stand to, you know, hear those uh, questions or uh, try and give answers. How to give the answers? Yeah. No, but that's, that's absolutely true, uh, Ranjit, because I think that's happening even in, in much earlier sort of ages, in the 20s. Uh, uh, having said that, I do find that a certain section of the millennials are coming out really, really early and soon compared to our generations. But they won't tolerate, as you're saying, uh, you know, assumptions and, and, and unconscious biases that the heterosexual folks carry, you know, they won't tolerate a certain kind of language. They will make it amply clear that, you know, misgendering, as we say, right? Mm. Uh, uh, she, they, he, they're very clear about those. And, and uh, that, as far as organizations go, then obviously, even, uh, you know, people outside organization, they have to start learning these things if they really care for the for uh, uh, queer folks and they queer for their friends and uh, and then in the workplace as you said this whole idea bring your own gal you know mm. now I, I think some of that is changing with certain corporates because they're learning they, they're learning that because they're also learning that not all women uh, want to you know they, there's so many women who want to be single yeah um, absolutely it's not and, just about being right. queer yeah, it's also about yeah. diversity. Yeah. yeah, so they, I think waking up to some of those other changes also that are taking place, that not everyone is presuming by a certain age they're all going to get married. Mm-hmm. So I think some of those questions are later, but that happens in homes for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but i think uh, i think uh, you know some of these these sort of biases uh, also there are other biases that once you uh, get to know what the person is out you start asking really ridiculous questions are you the king and and, and is that person your boyfriend the queen and i mean they just they just assume uh, typical you know stereotypical roles that they have lived with of the male and the female so they it is assumed that and that's not necessarily how queer relationships are they have they have a lot of this learning to do uh, in the workplace in colleges and all but again i would say that there are a lot of changes at the at the younger generations where we are learning a lot of these things we are learning terms like unconscious bias which we didn't have even 5 to 10 years ago we are learning about misgendering which we didn't again no we didn't think of this language even as as a gay man and uh, we also you know seeing uh, assertiveness um, and at the same time while there are queer people wanting to leave because of you know the red flags which is sexism and you know misogyny in organizations of the wrong language the absence of a toilet for the trans folks um several other things that are missing as far as they think uh, you know and they rightly think uh, is is not there people are quitting jobs but having said that i have interacted with quite a few corporations who are generally trying you know to constantly improve and learn and and be more inclusive understand diversity from several dimensions so i think there is that also happening so don't you don't you agree that uh, it is the change in society which uh, needs to be there now that uh, you know the courts have uh, sort of responded uh, in 2018 and as you yourself said that a little bit has changed that they have a law framework to work with but unless people in society themselves uh, start seeing these things and changing their attitude uh, things won't really change on the ground yeah and i think one of the biggest things that are that are needed to be addressed is education uh, you know right at the school level because you know there's that much they can that they can be changed for our generation right we've already lived most of it but uh, for the younger generation who are coming out much earlier than we did because they have enough reference points they have google they have so many things there is literature sort of growing uh, you know slowly yes but there is literature people are revisiting history and and all of that uh, and there are these discussions like yours right now that are happening so they have reference point within so now i i feel that schools have to be addressed their curriculum has to be addressed books that are uh, made available you know that talk about gender that talk about fluidity talk about sexuality in fact very recently nazaria qfrg came out with three books in english and in hindi which are absolutely amazing books for kids and there is a, there is material and people are seriously thinking on and that will help laws anti discriminatory laws you know across the board you know from school yeah. college all of that needs to be attended because that's how you will strengthen uh, uh folks even more and that's how you will also make children educators you know public policy folks or families etc more sensitive and more understanding uh, and so you need also a more inclusive media we need to see folks from from our community out there we need more uh, you know we need that change more consistently happening in the narratives and 
that are there in cinema uh, they need to be more realistic more authentic uh, about uh, our lives you know in in all the trials and all the tribulations uh, and and the triumphs sorry that we we, we go through and we should dodge and you know beat around the bush all the time i think there is no time for that anymore because people lose uh, lives in that waiting we need advertisers to do a lot more to change the roles of women and that's happening in a way because women's lens is there on otts that's happening in the ad world women are being depicted to some extent not enough far from enough actually uh, you know their roles are appearing slightly differently but we need all of that to happen and i don't think we have time amjit um, there's no hierarchy to death there is uh, there's no waiting i mean i think one thing that hurt me the most after writing my earlier book straight to normal is that 50 years of my life had gone and it was so difficult to find love because most of our time went and you would know that just trying to be ourselves and trying to be safe you know than trying to be free uh, free enough to 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 find enough people free enough to receive just to connect just to connect yeah just to connect you know so i don't think lives need to be wasted like that just because some people can't digest the truth and i think that's what even uh, the whole premise of your second book was that uh, even uh, lgbtqi plus people they deserve to find love and uh, you know the, 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 then the whole journey of the book actually i think that's the that's the central thing yeah it is it is it is about you know finding experiencing and feeling it freely you know in a pretty much unhindered way it's the deeper understanding of the self and to know that you're very much part of nature mm-hmm. and uh, nature has its so many different forms it's about self actualization and yeah. it's one of the most beautiful things and i would wish uh, uh, everyone sort of gets that chance whether they're straight mm-hmm. uh, or you know heterosexual folks whether they are queer folks cisgender or not i mean that really should be material to to finding love and Uh, and to loving oneself and uh, feeling free so just to wrap up uh, what would you like to say to queer people and to allies uh, what they should be doing for the cause so ranjit i mean first i think we shouldn't even look at ourselves as a cause the <laughs> cause is the heterosexual yeah. world and the effect has been homophobia transphobia yeah. and yeah. queerphobia so i don't want to look at cause or cause and effect Yeah, the cause is a media see, word, actually. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would, I would really, I would say is that uh, you know the greatest opportunity that a lot of queer folks are experiencing today, and again, it doesn't mean everyone does, but those who do get that sense of freedom, who can come out, who can make such choices, treasure it. A life without that is just so worthless, you know. So treasure it, enjoy it fully. explore yourself as much as you can and uh, and you know make make choices that you can that you can enjoy you can learn from because it's there's also an enjoyment in learning uh, when something doesn't really go the way you want you know in terms of who you want to be with i think just enjoying and testing that you're exceedingly privileged or uh, fortunate lucky to have that as far as i think the heterosexual folks who we 
call allies and i think it's a word which has come from the corporate world because when you go into a corporate world you need someone to refer to who you mm-hmm. think you could perhaps you know reach out to and and speak with and mm-hmm. and sort of you know feel free with they just need to learn engage with us a lot more they need to hand over the mm-hmm. mic uh, to us for speak about our lives the way they are they have to get away from assumptions and presumptions and patterns that they have been used to uh, uh in terms of you know how relationships happen uh, when you get into a relationship and that you must get married by x age or y age you know they have to get away from all of that they have to start looking at the fact that people make uh, you know different sorts of choices wear different kinds of clothes wear them differently you know and that uh, you can't just typify and decide that that someone's that that relationships function in the same uh, yeah. way people should realize that this is the journey we are on which is a fluid journey which is which is the which is the joy of life which is which is spreading love it's not spreading hate now if they're so invested in hate then they will resist love you know so they have to realize that they better well invest in love because when you love you Uh, make the world more beautiful you become more creative you start opening up to just so much and and you become more natural i mean you bring in more of nature of of who you are i would imagine that you would connect also with the nature around you in different ways and i think parents should remember yeah. Yeah. that this learning process is is a beautiful thing that they could do Um, because their children can be queer and would they want their children to live in an unsafe world i think they need to ask themselves that question if they want their children to be in an unsafe world in a toxic world in a world that they hated then they aren't parents and they have no business to bring their children into this world okay sharif uh, thanks a lot yeah. for this uh, candid conversation you have sort of bared your heart out on this uh, uh, on this podcast so thanks a lot for joining yes. me Thanks, Ranji. Thanks, Ron. And I think keep this going. These conversations are exceedingly important. Yes, absolutely. Uh, would you like to share your uh, contact details? Yeah, sure. I mean, people can reach out to me on email at sd rangneker so r a n g n e k a r at gmail dot com. They can definitely reach out to me there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. There's very little I've I hide and I think my two books <laughs> sort of put my life out there. Yes. Um and so you know so you shouldn't hesitate in reaching out to me. Okay, thank you so much Sharif. So listeners, that's all from me today. If anybody wants to connect with Sharif Rangneka, please don't hesitate to do so. And if you want to put me in touch with some authors who want to discuss some issues, please contact me on my email. podcast at raymondproductions.org that is r a m o n p r o d u c t i o n s .org so until next time goodbye and take care